question. So, can somebody, what's up, boys? So, mainly sophomores, juniors, seniors. Can you guys describe to me, seeing that you've been at least in the program for a season and you're going into at least your second one, can somebody describe to me what your development as a baseball player looks within a school year? Like, with, with, with what we do as a program, with the pace, when you come in in the fall, then what happens? What's, what's, describe to me the process of the development over that time. Give me a hand. What's the first thing? You come in the fall, what happens? Off-season. Okay. Yeah, you stop <laughs> so in the fall, come in, and what, so I got, I said off-season. Okay, so this is off-season. Okay, Saturday scrimmages. What else goes on? Okay, so skill work, scrimmages. What else? I heard something about stop being fat. Who said that? Bozar. Bozar. Okay, what does that mean? I think it's pretty literal. <laughs> okay. Well, somebody, somebody, somebody who has actually stopped being fat, want to describe what that means? <laughs> How do you go about doing that? Okay. Let me help you. Performance starts. That's awesome. See. Okay, so these are the things that happen in the fall. Okay, what else happens? Anything else happen in the fall? Okay. All right. Okay, so if, if that's everything in your development that happens in the fall, right? Am I missing anything? Okay, then what happens? Winter, okay. What do you guys do in the winter? Hit, pitch, catch, catch, catch lots of bullpens, bullpens, <laughs> strength positions, very many. Again, performance. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> Chapels. Okay. Anything else? Okay. What happens after that? Spring. Spring. Okay. What happens in spring? I heard one already. Tryouts. Performance never seems to stop. What else? Games. Games. Playoffs. Playoffs. Practice. Talking about practice. Rings. You know nothing about that yet, do you? Okay. <laughs> right? Does that look right? Anything else happen in the spring? <laughs> sure, banquet. Celebration. Interesting. Okay. That's good. So, for... For uh, for within Valor, okay, this is this is what that looks like. Do you think other programs look similar to an extent? No. I heard yes and no. Well, who well, said no? Erase all the performance. Why no? <laughs> I went to Chaparral my freshman year. We didn't do any of this. 
we didn't actually start working out in practice until the spring. Okay? Yeah. So, yeah, so the rest of it is just spring and good luck? Right. Okay? Maybe some hitting in the off-season, but it's optional. Okay. Like you just show up with a group of guys. It's not organized like we have here. Okay. So what, what, so what do you think, what would you say you feel like you have here that you didn't have before? I feel that what I have here is an opportunity to actually develop more than just baseball skills. I'm getting in shape. I'm just improving all aspects of the game, not just the ones you see on the field. So maybe you have a development plans. You have one here. It exists. So sometimes when you're in the middle of any not one of these things, it may feel like, man, what am I doing? Or you, but when you stop and take a look at the whole thing, you realize, man, there's, there's a plan and a flow that's all leading up to this and then this, which makes a happier this. Right? Okay? So there's a, a plan to this. Now tell me, you know, so we have this series that's called Forging the Brotherhood. It's right there on the top of your sheet. Okay, so we hear that, that word brotherhood here a lot. What is, what is a brotherhood? What does that mean? What, what, what does it mean to, to have a brotherhood? What is a brotherhood? Give me a hand. Do you, who feels like they are part of a brotherhood? Okay, so we have a number of people here that feel like they are a part of a brotherhood. Can you tell me what that means, to be a part of a brotherhood? Valdez. To have a bunch of guys come together as one. Okay. Together as one? What does that mean? Something in common. What else? Each other's back. You look out for one another. Okay? What else? What's the, is there a difference between a brotherhood and a team? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes? Okay? What's the difference? <laughs> Dress the same? Okay, so a team does that, so can a brotherhood not dress the same? Yeah, they can dress the same if they want. If they feel like it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue properly understood they are the same. Is that Matt? Properly understood they are the same. Okay, so a team, team and a brotherhood can be the same, okay? Well, so again, you know, back to Serena. Serena said he was a part of the team at another school. But felt like, do you, did you feel like that was a brotherhood? It was not a brotherhood. Why? Everyone was out there only for themselves. There was no sacrifice in the team. <laughs> Numero uno. Okay? So a team could be a collection of individuals. Joseph? I think there has to be, like, trust in the brotherhood. Ooh. Trust that your teammate right next to you is going to give just as much effort as you every day. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Fellowship together. What does that mean? What do you mean by this kind of stuff? 
Jesus. Eat wings, I guess. <laughs> no, that's right. That's yeah. so true. Closer to God, he does. Closer to God. So it sounds like. Closer to God, Mark. Can you be a brotherhood and not be a team? No. Can you be a team and not be a brotherhood? Yeah. Okay. All right, and I think we have the beginnings of maybe what that looks like. Um, and so today, what we're doing is we're looking at. Well, this whole series, we're going to be walking through the book of Acts, okay? The book of Acts is the story of God's people coming together as a team, and ultimately, they're a team before, when, you know, in the Gospels. They were a team then, but they weren't really quite the brotherhood until we get into Acts and we start looking at some of the things that we're going to look at, okay? So what I want to do for, honestly, the spring, so now until the banquet, Okay, every Friday, we're going to be look, walking through the book of Acts, looking at what did that look like for them, and how do we look like in comparison to it. Is that, is that fair? Okay, so that's what we're doing. And you guys just read the first 11 chapters, or sorry, the 11 verses. What did I do with that remote? That's going to be of... So, um, huh? I did. That's a lot of good men out there. Okay. So, before we can really just talk, dive in and talk about what it is that you just read, we got to understand a little, a few things about the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts was a sequel to another book. Anybody know what that book was? You know what a sequel is? Okay. Part two. Okay. Luke. Very good. So, Acts is actually a sequel to Luke. So really, and honestly, they're back in the old text, some of them consider them one volume, as in Luke and Acts. Like that was just one, one, one uh, big volume, okay? So in order to really jump in at the sequel, we kind of have to at least look at real quick what happened in the original, okay? So in the original, we start to see the beginning of, you know, just how here you see what your development plan is as, as a Valor baseball program, Jesus actually had a development program for these guys as well. Okay? So that's what we're going to look at. Disciples development program. Okay? So way back in Luke chapter 6, the first thing that we see that comes up is Jesus recruits. Jesus puts together his... Actually, I'll flip back there and we'll... And if you want to, flip backwards into Luke... And we'll just kind of skim through this together and make our way back to Acts 1. Okay, so in Luke 6, 12, somebody want to read Luke 6, 12 through 16 for me? Actually, when you get there, yell out what page number that is. I got it. Got it? Let's hear it. 12 through 16? Yes. All right. And these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when they came, he called his disciples, and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he had, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, 
and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Okay. So right there you see Jesus go up, spend time in prayer. So he's talking with God. After spending this night in prayer with God, it says the whole night, after that much prayer, he comes down and he selects his team. Okay? He, he selects 12 guys. Actually, incidentally, anybody know how old those guys were? Our age. Our teenagers. <laughs> Interesting. And there are how many of them? Twelve of them. Okay? They end with 11. They end with 11. They did not have a 100% success rate. Okay? Um, so if Jesus' team can't have a 100% success rate, who are we to think that we could? Okay? Um, so, yeah. So, Jesus goes up the mountain, spends time with God, comes back down and selects his 12 guys. Somebody... And read 620 for me. Actually, no, never mind. You don't have to read all that. Okay. And Luke 620 through 49. Okay. That's Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. The Sermon on the Mount was Jesus' first big teaching. Okay. So the second part of Jesus' development plan for the disciples was he teaches. Okay. So within here, similar to us, you come in the fall. You're, you're learning, especially if you come in as a freshman, you're, this is all new to you. So you come in, you're, you're trying to just learn what it is that we do and how we operate and what's expected of you. That happens in the fall, whenever we start to hone that a little bit, okay? So here, Jesus does the same thing. He selects them, they show up, he teaches them. Then Luke's chapter 7 and 8. Then Jesus starts to, as you, if you just look at it, so at the beginning of ver, uh, chapter 7, Jesus heals a centurion servant. And then he, in chapter 8, he starts ministering to women. He, he tells us these parables. He stills the sea. He cures a demoniac. If you, if you know that story, that's one of the crazier stories. He starts doing all these miracles of healing. And so in that time, Jesus starts demonstrating this is what this looks like okay he brings it he, he picks his guys he teaches them what he wants from them and expects of them and then he starts doing it so they can see what it looks like right so not only have they heard what it is they've seen what it looks like okay after that um somebody read luke nine twenty three for me I'm sorry, Luke, is that Luke 9? Oh, no, no I'm sorry. <laughs> That's my fault. That's, so for the next, from Luke chapter 9 through Luke 23, excuse me, okay, then Jesus starts doing, partnering with them. Okay, so now they're not just watching anymore, they're doing it with them. Okay, so they engage. At the beginning of, of Luke 9, it says, And he called the twelve together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and healing diseases. Okay, so now he gives them the ability to do, start doing the things that he does, and he starts doing it along with them. All the way up until, keep flipping over to Luke 23. What happens in Luke 23? Jesus gets crucified in Luke, 20, uh, in Luke 23. So, all these things have occurred so far. He's recruited them. He's taught them. He's, he showed them what that, what that's supposed to look like, and then he's done it with them. 
Or some, you know, you could say, you know, the, the whole I do, we do, you do. Okay? All those things that that process has begun in their development plan. And then he dies. Okay? So he, he, he's crucified even though he had, you know, sh- you know said many times before, hey, this is going to happen. That happens. And then they kind of start, they freak out. As, as would you. Okay? I guess just... just Picture, what do you think would happen as a program if every coach within the program died next week? (laughs) We were on a bus on the way to B-dubs and rolled off a cliff. (laughs) Actually, we didn't roll off a cliff. We ate ourselves to death at at B-dubs. More likely story. Okay? Okay? As a program, how would you feel? As a group of guys... What do you think that would be like if every single guy that led as a coach this program, Zach? Um, I think we would feel lost at moments, but we would have to hold the program up ourselves, be leaders ourselves. Sounds about right. Good answer. That'd be devastating. (laughs) That's awesome. Valdez goes, I honestly don't know what I would do. (laughs) Serena says that would be devastating. What can we do without the what can we do without the emperor, he says. That's a, what is that? Is that 1 Peter 2, 17? 1 Peter 2, 17. It's in the Bible. Love the brotherhood, honor the emperor. It's biblical. God said it. Okay? So that's where they find themselves. And in the sequel, like I said, so Luke is the, the, the book that comes right before Acts as the sequel. Anybody in here see um, Back to the Future? Yeah. yeah, it's 2015, people. Okay, so hoverboards come out this year, flying cars, hydration cookers, so I can get a pizza that big. This is a big year for us, according to, dude, the Cubs win the World Series. Yeah. Okay, all those things happening back to the future. So what do you know about the what happens at the the end of Back to the Future One? Anybody know? No, that's the third one. That's the third one, man. Come on, burning trains. Zach. He finally gets back to the um, how his own time by a time machine. Okay. Well, yeah, but remember electricity. There's this scene where he needs 1.21 gigawatts, and so only lightning can produce that back in the what 60s or whenever he goes back to. Okay. So he needs lightning in order to shoot him back to 1986 or whatever it was. Yeah, so we had to get up to 88 miles per hour and time it just right where lightning strikes and boom, he goes back to 1986, okay? So that's what happens at the end of the first one and then also that's what happens at the beginning of the second one, okay? Luke and Acts are the same way. So Luke and Acts really stole this thing from Back to the Future, okay? So what happens at the end of Luke, what happens at the end of Luke, okay, and in, in chapter 24, he's resurrected, and then Jesus starts revealing himself to the, to back to his disciples, who are, um, how did you put it, devastated and honestly didn't know what they would do. Okay, so as they're in that state, Jesus starts coming back and showing like, no man, this is this is me. Okay, and he says, and, and honestly, some really cool stuff happens in those forty days after he resurrects from the dead. 
including uh, in 24, 27 says, Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. So Jesus goes back into you know, the, the Old Testament and just starts going one at a time. Oh, yeah. Remember the story about Moses? Yeah, that was about me. Hey, remember this story about all these prophets? Yeah, that was about me. And he just starts revealing all that to him. If there's anything in the Bible that I wish I could go back and witness, it would probably be Jesus describing how the entire Old Testament pointed to him. So that's what he does over this 40 day period. Okay. Or have you ever have you ever learned something like some like a teacher or a coach taught you something, but you didn't really know how you're supposed to use it? Until that time came. Okay. That's kind of what happened with these guys. So Jesus goes back and reteaches them all these things that he taught them before. And at the, the end of um, at the end of Luke 24, he ascends into heaven, and that's where we pick back up into Acts 1. Okay? And what we see that's about to happen here in Acts 1 is Jesus is about to send them. Okay? So all these things have already occurred. They've been recruited. They've been taught. They've been shown what it looks like. They've been partnered with as they tried to do it. And somebody is doing it along with them. Okay? But it's all leading up to this, is it not? What if you came into the program not knowing that we played games in the spring? You just Sometimes it may even feel that way. Man, all I do is performance and go to hitting and do, do skill development. It's like, oh, yeah, we play games. Because, Right? Well, relatively, and that, that's the interesting thing, even about what Serena was saying, that do you feel like you spend more time doing this or more time doing that? Way more time doing this. You spend way more time preparing for the games than you do actually in the games. Right? And apparently that's not always the case. What would it feel like if you didn't do any of this and you just strolled into these? Yeah, the game would be a little quicker than you can handle. You things would come up, you wouldn't know what was going on. Okay. Anybody, anybody know how long Jesus's ministry was with those twelve teenagers? Three years. Three years. All right. So groups of a group of twelve. Teenagers over a three-year span were developed into something, and by their fourth year, they were expected to do something. Does this sound familiar? Hey. Baby. Hey. 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 That sounds a whole lot like high school. <laughs> I'm lost. You got to explain that to me a little bit deeper. Okay. So starting in, so all this happens. So that's what. When that, that first portion of Acts chapter 1, that's what he's doing. He's, he's recapping what happened in Luke. He said, uh, the first account, I, I composed Theophilus. So this is a, a book. This is a historical narrative written to either some guy named Theophilus, which is a real possibility, or Theophilus. Anybody know what that means in Greek? Lover of God. Theophilus means lover of God. So this could be written to... Well, definitely is applicable to anybody who is a lover of God. So he goes back and tells them, you know, what had happened. Jesus came back over that 40-day span, explained to them these things. Now, Jesus taught them a ton of stuff, did a bunch of things. They spent a lot of time together, 
the disciples and Jesus. A lot. So, out of all those things, do you think the last thing that he said to him would have any kind of importance? <coughs> Maybe you would even make the argument that it had a little more importance. Like, if you're going to lean in at any time, you probably want to lean in the last thing you had to say to him. Okay? And that's what we see in Acts 1.8. Okay? Acts 1.8, he starts saying... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power. So they've been taught. They've been demonstrated. They've been developed. But now they get power. Okay? From the Holy Spirit. So it's not just any kind of power. This is the power of God. The same power in which Jesus operated by. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is coming to you as a promise from Jesus. In the form of the Holy Spirit. You have the power of God in you. And so he promises them that they will receive power. Okay? So Jesus developed them. And now the Holy Spirit will empower them. Okay? Jesus developed them. Now the Holy Spirit will empower them. And he goes on. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even the remotest parts of the world. Okay. And we're going to come back to this in later weeks. So remember this. So this is one of the last things he says. Jesus puts them on mission. Jesus puts them on mission. And I would, I, I would venture, you know, I would argue this. There's a difference between a team and a brotherhood. We've been trying to. Describe what that is. As I look back, you know, and I don't know, coaches, if you could say the same thing. There are guys that every there's some teams that were more special than others. Okay, I was privileged enough to, yeah, I did get a, a ring in high school, so I got to win a, a Colorado State championship my senior year. I got to win a Connie Mack State championship the same year with a different team. I even got to win a, a national championship for the NCCAA at DBU. Okay. And which is National National Christian College Athletic Association? Yeah, some some people were looking at me and but yeah, and there and so every single team that you play on, every single baseball team, you get on mission together, and your mission is I want to rank or I want a championship. Okay, I actually got to succeed in that a, a couple of times. But you know what's interesting? Now, looking back, I mean, it's been like a decade since I've played competitively. There are, you know, and I can get back with some of those guys. There's sometimes you get back with some guys, and the guys who you're on a mission with, and your only mission was to win a championship, the only thing you can really do is get together and talk about how good you used to be and some of the fun times you used to have. That, that, was, that was a team. But you know what some of the coolest things have been? Um, on some of those same teams, there's always been some guys that you, you still stay connected with. Okay, all the way back to when I was 14. And actually, this last Saturday, I, you know, I, I still I got together with a guy that I grew up playing with, you know, who also went on to go play, you know, Division One college baseball and all those things. But it's like, man, I can still get together with him. And we do way more than talk about how good we used to be. You know what the difference between those guys and the other guys, 
we had a different mission together. When you're, when you're on mission towards something that's going to happen in May, beyond May, you have nothing else that holds you together. You have, after that, you have nothing else in common except for what you used to do. But some of those guys, some of those guys, we were on mission together. And that mission was bigger than a ring. And it, and it goes on a little bit farther than May. Where a decade later, those guys are still in my life. We're still a team. They still are little J jerks to me at times. We speak life into each other. We, can, we, we compete even with each other. We push each other to be better. There's some guys that just never stops. And that only happens when you're on mission with something bigger than a ring. Are you with me? Do you see the difference? Because I think that being on mission, the mission that, that you're on together is the difference between a team and a brotherhood. Because you know what? We could, we could not, and we have. So we have yet to win a ring as a program. But at the same time, there are guys that have gone before you who absolutely are part of a brotherhood. And like Coach Wall was saying, like they come back over break, and they're asking questions about you. They still care because now you are representing the same brotherhood that, they're, they're, that they were a part of with the name of, on, on the front of their, their shirt. And they've gone on to other places. They have been sent to other places, but they're still a part of this brotherhood because the mission never changed. Does that make sense? So you joining that brotherhood has nothing to do with how the, the, the success we have as a baseball team. And has everything to do with the mission that we combine, that we unite around to do. Does that make sense? So even know this, that the day you graduate, whether that's this year or in three years, the mission doesn't change. And you're, you don't leave the brotherhood. You're set. That's what's happening to these guys right now. Okay, so their time with Jesus was done. There will be a day your time here in this program will be done. But that's not the end. That is the beginning. Then you are sent. You're sent out into the world, hopefully developed, taught, demonstrated, equipped to carry on that mission wherever it is that God takes you. It's right here. Jesus is saying where that's going to take you is, yeah, it's going to be here in Jerusalem. Then it's going to be in Judea. And then it's going to be in Samaria, the place that nobody wants to go with the people nobody wants to be around. And then beyond that, it's going to go to the end of the world, boys. There's not an end to where this mission reaches to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? After he said these things, he was lifted up while they are looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. When Jesus ascends into heaven... They're officially sent. Okay? When you graduate, you're officially sent. You're never disconnected. They're never disconnected from Jesus. And in fact, they're, they were empowered more. They were given more with the Holy Spirit. And the, so everywhere that they go to the ends of the earth, they go with the Holy Spirit. Everywhere that you go beyond this, don't think for a second that we don't go with you. And that everything that's been poured into you wasn't part of that sending, that that wasn't always the plan. 
Okay, they're officially sent. And this is interesting. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they gazed, they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by, by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay? So, uh, one, one, just, just picture this. So, so, they know that Jesus is coming back. They're standing there. Jesus says these things. You will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then he just levitates. He ascends into, into the clouds. And they're just... And literally, they're just standing there as a group. Okay, I know Jesus is coming back. And they're just standing there waiting like it was going to happen. <laughs> like waiting for it. Okay, until these two angels come back and basically say, Hey, hey, hey boys. Jesus will come back one day. The same way that he went up. But it ain't today. <laughs> so Go. You've been equipped. You've been given a mission. Now go. So they're looking up and they see this thing happen. And then, then at that point, Jesus ascends and all, all right, it's game time. It's game time. We got a fight to get into. And for the next 16 weeks, we're going to actually walk through what some of those things are. What it looked like, what the challenges were, how they overcame them. All those things and how the Holy Spirit empowered them and what they did in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at what those things are. But knowing that for the next, uh, next 16 weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be a brotherhood. As this group of guys just went from being a group of 12 teenagers spending three years developing for something. Okay, now it's game time. What does that look like? So that when that time comes for you, you know what's expected. It's not a surprise to you. You're prepared for it. You're equipped by it. Um, so let's pray, and then I'll, I'll give you guys some questions. We'll take the next 15 minutes or so and uh, let you guys get in groups and talk about this. Let's pray. Tip a cap. God, thanks so much uh, for tonight. Thank you that uh, we get to be a part of a, a program that has a plan. Um, Lord, that everything we do has a purpose. That It's done intentionally. Uh, we thank you for that for our own sake but we also thank you that we get to be a part of something much bigger than that we get to be a part of a brotherhood and that doesn't end when we graduate or end when the season ends Father that, that you have prepared us, equipped us and, and mobilized us to go and be your hands and feet on, in this world that you gave us, gave us a job to do Give us everything we need to do it, um, Father. So I pray that, uh, that we can walk in a way that is worthy of the calling that you've placed on our lives. I pray that we can do that uh, together over our time together uh, in this program. That we can be uh, more than a ambassadors for this, this school. We can be ambassadors for you. That when people see us, when people hear us or talk to us or play against us, that they, that they see you and not us. 
Father, that we, uh, that we can actually do what it was that you've put us on this earth here to do. Um, Father, we're, we're grateful that you allow us to do that when we've done nothing to deserve it. When everything that we've done in life has fallen short of your glory, uh, your son Jesus came and gave us uh, a new life and a new purpose. So, Father, I pray we can honor him in all that we do, that we can glorify you through it. We, do, we ask you all these things in your son Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Questions are on the back of those sheets. And they're also right here. Okay? Three questions. Who do you consider in your brotherhood and why? Hold on, hold on. Stop talking. Okay? So now I'm actually, I actually am going to make you get in groups and sit here and ask these questions. I don't care who you're, who's in your group. Don't care. But we are going to have you guys do that. Okay. Who do you consider in your brotherhood and why? What makes them a part of your brotherhood you know, and more than just a buddy or a teammate? Okay. Where are you in your discipleship development program? So if you wrote down what those five things were, you know, some, some of, there may be people like, look, man, I don't even know if I've been recruited on this team. <laughs> I don't know that I've even chosen to, to be a part of that, which is, which is fine. There's no wrong place in here. You know, so it's not where you are, it's the direction that you're heading that, that counts. Okay? So where are you in that discipleship development plan? And what is your personal mission? You know, we just saw Jesus give these guys a mission. Okay? And it, and it extended into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What's yours? Okay? So get in groups and then somewhere along here in the hall, in this room, um, break up and, and talk through those things. Any questions? All right, go fight, win.